Let's stand together. Thou art, then sings my 
you to take your copy of God's Word, please, and be turning to Joshua chapter 1, and you can be uh, placing maybe a bookmark or a ribbon there as we're going to begin a new series today, uh, as you see, called New Beginnings. I think a lot of people dream about them, but if truly confronted with one, they'd be scared to death. A new beginning. You know, a new beginning is a fun thing to daydream about, but the, but the reality is if we're going to move out into new beginnings, we're going to have to move out of our comfort zone uh, to truly experience one. And that is hard, and that is challenging, and that is even scary at times to think about a new beginning. We all experience a new beginning on small scales all the time, the beginning of a new month, uh, the beginning of a new year. And we usually process those quite well. Many times we can make small adjustments and you know, cruise on the way we were. But what about the major happenings in our life? You know, sometimes a new beginning comes without invitation or even warning. And it can rock our world. A job loss, a death, a disability, a diagnosis, uh, the loss of a dream. These things have major impact upon our lives. How do we handle them? How do we cope? How do we glorify God in those times? Well, we're going to get those answers, God willing, uh, beginning today as we begin this series called New Beginnings. You know, the book of Joshua is all about new beginnings. Think about it. The children of Israel had been wandering about in the desert for 40 years waiting for people to die. Uh, in many regards, it was one long funeral march waiting for a whole generation to die. You remember because of their uh, unbelief that all those 20 years old and older would never enter the promised land with the exception of Caleb and Joshua. You can read about it in Numbers chapter 14. But God being the gracious God that He is, He's provided for them, He's watched out for them, He's cared for them during this whole 40 years of wandering, and uh, He fed them with manna, and He showed His love to them. And although they failed Him time and time again, and although they were filled with murmuring and complaining, they had a man who would intercede for them, they had a man who would lead them, they had a man who would talk to God on their behalf, the man Moses. No matter what else might happen to them in this time of wandering and time of difficulty, they could look to Moses. But here's the reality, beloved. Moses is dead. Moses is dead. Talk about turning your world upside down. In fact, if you're in Joshua, if you'll notice the very opening words of the book in Joshua 1, verses 1 and the first part of verse 2. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord... It came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. And it's a reminder that even the great men and women of God, they die. But God's work and God's plan does not die with them. It was Charles Wesley who said that God buries his workmen, but carries on his work. But the question is, what about those of us who remain? What do we do when we're facing a new beginning, a major change, a major life-altering event? When Moses, if you will, dies in our lives, what do we do? Well, let me give you some scriptural counsel as to what to do during these new beginnings. First of all, I want to show you from the scripture here, you need to just go ahead and spend some time in mourning. Go ahead and spend some time in mourning. That's the first counsel I offer to you based upon the Word of God to give time to mourn and grieve the loss 
that has occurred in your life. You know what? God made us with emotions. They're standard equipment. You don't have to pay extra for those. They come. Standard equipment. And we know the Bible says that even Jesus wept at the death of a dear friend, John eleven thirty five. So we must allow ourselves, beloved, time to properly process our grief and our loss, whether that loss is a loss of a job or a person who has died or the loss of a dream. Look back at the children of Israel, how they handled the death of Moses. You're in Joshua 1. Look back across the page or flip your page back, if you would, to that final chapter of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 34. And I want you to find verse 4. And I want you to see what the children of Israel do when Moses dies. Deuteronomy 34, beginning at verse 4. Then the Lord said to him, speaking to Moses, This is the land of which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have caused you to see it with your eyes, but you shall not cross over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor. But no one knows his grave to this day. Verse 7 of Deuteronomy 34. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigor diminished. Now notice verse 8 of Deuteronomy 34. And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab. How long? Thirty days. So the days of weeping and mourning for Moses ended. Thirty days they wept and they mourned the death of Moses. Now listen, you don't get over a loss like that in a couple of hours. You don't get over that loss in even a couple of days or even a week. They spent 30 days grieving. Now, that, beloved, that's not to say that you ever fully get over such a loss. I lost my own father when I was five years old, when I was Graham's age. And uh, I think about him from time to time. And, and I wonder about so many things because I lost him early in my life and I think about what might have been in some regards. I understand that losses stay with us. But here I'm talking about intense grief. The initial shock and, and sorrow and sadness. The adjustment to the loss that's occurred in your life. What I often refer to as a new normal. Whatever that loss may be. Maybe you lost your job or you lost a dream or you lost a loved one. Whatever the case may be. Losses come in many different forms and many different shapes. Maybe you lose your job. I grew up in a textile mill town. It, it, it built the town, if you will. And they all closed. I remember that. And people who had worked in the textile mills and thought that they were set for the rest of their life, they lost it all. They were suddenly unemployed and their world was rocked. Perhaps it's a diagnosis that's rocked your world and really it's a diagnosis that will eventually lead to death. At times like this, beloved, we need to allow ourselves time to mourn and to grieve, and to cry, and to adjust. You know, sometimes we have to do it when it comes to our church. You know, churches are in a constant state of change. We don't like that, to be honest with you. We like things to stay the same. But churches constantly change. You ever notice that? Now, I'm not talking about doctrine here, we, although we do know churches sadly do that as well. But, but even those who are faithful churches, I'm talking about people coming. And people going and, and people moving and people dying. I, I love these. I want to show you two pictures. I love these two pictures. They were taken right outside those doors. 
The first one, we don't know the year that that picture was taken. But it was a long time ago. And then we recreated that picture in a sense. You remember, somebody very patiently waited while our camera malfunctioned <laughs> last year at homecoming time. And you look at the top picture, you look at the bottom picture, and you say, thanks be to God that there's still a strong, vibrant congregation at Red Hill. But we look at that picture and say, you know what? Our church has changed. I look around in January of 2019 and I see people who are missing that used to be here, many of whom are in heaven now. Some have moved on. Some have grown up and gone on and they live someplace else. It's the idea that uh, we're in a constant state of change and loss and we're thrilled for those who have gone on to glory. But we're sad for us, right? We're sad for those of us who remain. It's okay to give yourself time to cry and to grieve and to mourn, and to process loss. But you can't remain there forever. And we see that here with the children of Israel. There must come a time in your life where you are grieving and mourning a loss. There comes a time next where you dry your tears and you begin to move on in faith. doesn't mean that there's still not a loss in your life, but you dry your tears. That time of intense mourning, sorrow, you say, okay. It's time to dry the tears and move on in faith. Because God is not finished yet. And He's not finished with you yet. He still has plans for you. He still has plans for us. Now you're back in Joshua 1 now, right? We've read down the first part of verse 2. Look at verse 2 again of Joshua 1. I love what it says there. Joshua 1, 2. God says to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. But the Bible doesn't end there. The chapter doesn't end. The story doesn't end there. Notice the next word. Now, he says to Joshua, Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Joshua, I'm through using Moses as my servant. I'm through using Moses as the leader of the people, but I'm not through with my work. And I'm not through with my plan. And I'm going to use you now. And I'm going to use you to be the leader. Think about this church. God has used so many people over the years. Many of them are in glory. They're in heaven now. But He's still working. He's not through. He's not finished. And beloved, while we may stop a while and weep, we don't stay there. We get back to work. And we carry on the good work that God is doing and the example that those who have gone before us have set for us. We talked about a moment ago. We're getting ready to celebrate 160 years next year. We rejoice in that. We celebrate that. We get to work. It's interesting. We won't spend much time on it. It's interesting to note that God prepared the next leader for His people under Moses. Uh, Joshua there is called, in uh, verse uh, number 1, he's called uh, Moses' assistant or, or Moses' minister. You can trace their lives together in the early books of Scripture. And it's a good reminder we should be helping to train our replacements and the younger generations and getting them prepared getting them ready, helping them to grow and to learn and to serve the Lord, whether that be here or wherever God may place them. Well, let's keep reading. The Lord is speaking to Joshua in these verses, and I want you to listen to what He says. And as we read it, I want you to notice how the Lord refers to His past dealings with Moses and the fathers. Look at Joshua 1, beginning out verse 3. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I've given you 
as I said to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of a good courage for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give to them. It's interesting as God speaks to Joshua here that he talks to him about some things that are very important. He speaks to him about God's faithfulness, God's promises, and God's protection. God's faithfulness, God's promises, and God's protection. I've been faithful. I've legends. I've been with Moses. I'll be with you. I'm going to give you this land. Nobody will be able to stand against you. And, and Joshua's had a front row seat to see just how great God is. And he reminded him of the past. But he kept Joshua firmly headed into the present and the future. And that's a very important lesson. We need to learn from the past, but not live there. Learn from the past and not live there. What I mean is we need to not be so filled with memories that were hindered in the present and handicapped for the future. We can't live in the past. We can't live in the good old days. Sitting around longing for the way that things used to be and how wonderful things were. Wish we could get there. Wishing for those better days. The truth of the matter is we need to burst that bubble. Warren Wiersbe was right. He said the good old days are often accommodation of a bad memory and a good imagination. The good old days, they're a combination of a bad memory and a, a good imagination. Oh, you should have seen me in high school playing football. Boy, I was something, I almost went in a bell. You actually sat on the bench. You know, good imagination, bad memory. We're not called to serve God in the past. We're, we're called to serve God now. And in the future as he gives. Aren't you glad when you read the book of Joshua? It doesn't say that Joshua sat around talking about the good old days. Oh, you remember we crossed the Red Sea? Boy, I remember that. You remember when Pharaoh and his armies came through? Oh, I wish we could go back there. Remember the water out of the rock? Remember the manna from the sky? Now, of course, those are all wonderful things. We can learn from that. It encouraged them. It blessed them. We can do the same. We look it back and see how God's blessed us in the past and the things He's done in the past. But we don't live there. Because so many Christians are caught up in what they used to do. Boy, I used to read my Bible. Oh, I used to pray. Oh, I used to witness. What have you done last week? Last month? You see, in the Christian life, it's going forward. You're either going forward or you're going backward. You don't stand still. You don't sit in neutral. And we find here that we need to dry our tears and move on in faith. You see, Joshua and Caleb had been on one long funeral march. How about the good old days? <laughs> they were waiting for people to die. And no doubt they learned from that. And I think it put within their heart a resolve to follow God and serve Him now and in the future. We learn from the past, but we don't live there. You see, past success and past failures, they don't need to hinder us from walking in faith now and in the future. We need to deal with the past. Get forgiveness, get right, whatever it is we need to do with the Lord, and then say, Lord, help me now and as you give me breath in my body to serve you, to love you, and to walk with you all of my days. Well, if you drop down to verse 9, 
you begin to have what we have three, three uh, voices speaking. God's going to speak in verse 9. Joshua speaks in verses 10 through 15. And the people speak in verses 16 through 18. Let's notice what God says in verse 9. He says, have I, have not, have I not commanded you... Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And then Joshua, he begins to speak to the people beginning in verse 10. If you read verses 10 through 15, he builds upon Moses' work and what Moses has done. And he talks about how God has blessed them and provided for them and all the things that have gone on there. In fact, let's just read a little bit of that passage for the sake of time. Look at verse 13. Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God has given you rest and He's given you this land. Verse 14. Your wives, your little ones, your livestock shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side of Jordan. You shall pass before the brethren armed, all you mighty men of valor, and help them until the Lord has given your brethren rest as He's given you. And they also have taken possession of the land which the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and enjoy it, which Moses, the Lord's servant, gave you on this side of the Jordan toward the sunrise. And so he talks to the people there. And then the people talk to Joshua, beginning at verse 16. So they answered Joshua, saying, All that you command us we will do. Wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we heed it, we listen to Moses in all things, we will heed you. Only the Lord your God be with you as He was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your command and does not heed your words and all that you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and of good courage. Over and over again, what's, what's Joshua told? Be strong and of good courage. Be strong and of good courage. Be strong and of good courage. Imagine the task before him. He's stepping into the sandals of Moses. Just the name makes us sit up and take notice. Moses. And by the way, we know the story. The group he's about to lead, they're not the easiest bunch. But do you notice the honor that Joshua gives to Moses? He doesn't ignore Moses. He doesn't point out Moses' shortcomings. He doesn't say, you know, Moses didn't get to go in like we're going in. He doesn't try to erase Moses from their memories. He builds upon the good work that Moses has done. So many young, insecure leaders need to notice this. You don't tear down those who have gone before. You honor their work and you move on as God helps you. This reminds us, beloved, that the work is not ultimately ours. This is the Lord's work. And we're just one link in the chain to accomplish His will in our time. Again, here we are in this church after all these years. There's been pastor after pastor and Sunday school teacher after Sunday school teacher and worker after worker and deacon after deacon and, and choir member after choir and on and on we go. And what are we doing? We're just building on each other's work. We're just building upon those that have gone before us as God has used them and now God has given us life and breath and this time to do His work. You see, the work is not ultimately ours. The work and the glory, beloved, is God's. And Joshua didn't work alone. He talks about in verse 10, he commanded the officers of the people. We're fellow laborers in God's work. And we're to faithfully serve Him where He's planted us and work together to reach others with the Gospel. We're on the same team. Better yet, we're in the same family. And God uses the Moseses and the Joshuas and those whose names we've never heard of before. But God gets the increase, the Scripture says, and God gets the glory. You know, when you consider all of this and you think about it, 
you might even get to the point where you say, you know what? A new beginning might actually be a good thing. Why, why, if we really think about it, we might even get to the point where we welcome new beginnings. And we can. You know why? If we're a child of God, if we know Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, we realize that our Father is sovereign. God is sovereign. And God is in control of our lives. And God is in control of all things. Now we've taken some time to mourn our loss. We've dried our tears and we've stepped out in faith. But there's one more lesson. Very briefly, we need to get before we close up shop today. And I've simply worded it this way, and I'll show you why in a moment. Every day, take every step filled with the Word of God. Every day, take every step filled with the Word of God. Now, God is very clear as He instructs His servant Joshua. Drop on down to verse 7 and 8, and then we're done. He says to him, only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good Success. Now, I put it this way every day, take every step filled with the Word of God. Why? Well, did you notice what he says about the Word of God, the law, what they had at that time? Notice, first of all, that we need to obey the Word. Twice, God tells Joshua to observe, to do the law. The Bible's not a book just for information, just to get a bunch of facts and figures. The Bible's for transformation. So we're not just supposed to fill up our minds with the Bible and say, well, we know. No, we're to study the Word of God so we can obey the Word of God. And we're to do what He tells us to do. So we're to obey the Word and then we're to follow the Word. God tells Joshua uh, to turn not to the right hand or the left hand from following the Word. He was to follow the plan laid out that God would give him. I think of what the psalmist wrote. Maybe you remember, thy word is a lamp and to my feet, and a light into my path. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. We're to follow the Word of God on the happy days, on the hard days. We're to get our counsel, our instruction, our wisdom from the Word of God. And then we notice that we're also to speak the Word. He tells him that the Word should not depart from his mouth. That doesn't mean he wasn't supposed to speak. It means he was supposed to speak it. His mouth was supposed to be filled with the Word of God. How we need to do that when people talk to us. What about this? What the Bible says. What the Bible teaches. We're to speak the Word of God. Encourage each other with the Word of God verbally. And then, as it's always in our mouth, we're to meditate on the Word of God. It says meditate on it what? Day and night. All the time. That's why I said every day, take every step... Filled with the Word of God. It's on our heart, our mind, in our mouth. We're hearing it. We're processing it. Meditation has the idea of thinking about it. Thinking deeply about it. Pondering it. Hey, we're in the country. It's the idea of a cow chewing the cud. Bring it back up. Oh, it tastes good again. Bring it up. It tastes good again. It's the idea of processing it. Getting every vital nutrient. Everything I can from the Word of God. We can't exhaust it. 
You know, we were looking this morning in Sunday school. I was with the youth. We are looking at that lesson as I studied it again. There's something else I didn't notice. Something I'd forgotten. We can't exhaust it. We meditate on it. Get everything we can out of it. And then, when we obey and follow and speak and meditate on the Word, we're surely going to profit from the Word of God. You see, the key to Joshua having success, true success, and true prosperity, as it says here in the Scripture, and all the battles he was going to face was this, beloved, obedience to the Word of God. You see, beloved, when it comes to hard days and new beginnings and when our world is turned upside down, the key to doing well when we step out once again in faith, the key to living a life that brings honor and glory to God is the Word of God. You know why? Well, beloved, because of this reason. When we spend time truly studying, meditating, speaking, following, obeying, diving deep into the Word of God, the Word of God, we become to know better the, the God of the Word. When we spend time in the Word of God, we get to know the God of the Word. Because this book is not just a book of information and, and neat ideas. It's about a relationship with God the Father. And as I study the Scripture, we're reminded this morning again in Sunday school that God is a God who's all-powerful, but He's loving. And, and we see Him at work, and we see Him at work here, and we see His faithfulness. And when you spend time in the Word of God, you get to know the God of the Word. One of my goals for 2019 is to get to know God better. To get to know God better on a deeper level, to develop that relationship. When the Bible speaks, God speaks. And when we listen to the Bible, we get to know God better. As we get to know God better, we begin to understand just how wonderful and loving and glorious and gracious that He is. And we know Him better and we trust Him more and realize that even when our world is rocked, He's still there. He says what? I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Lo, I'm with you always. Even to the end of the age. And in the midst of those hard times when this new beginning, we may want a new beginning, but it's there. We know when we spend time in God's Word, we get to know the God of the Word. God, you're here. And you're faithful. And as you've been with Moses and Joshua and Abraham and Isaac and all of the characters, you're with me. And you'll never leave me. And you'll never forsake me. And our trust in Him grows. And we begin to realize we can trust His wisdom, His will and His way. And our trust in Him grows as we face a new beginning. Well, it was when she was 30 years old. She was ready to give up. She wrote in her diary these words, and I quote, My God... What will become of me? I have no desire but to die. End quote. 30 years old. Writing out those words wanting to simply die. Well, thankfully the dark clouds of despair gave way to light. And in time she discovered a new purpose for living. What we might call today for our purposes a new beginning. Fast forward in her life from the age of 30, 60 years later, at the age of 90. And this lady had left a mark on history. Some believe that she and those who introduced antiseptics and chloroform to medicine did more than anybody else did to relieve human suffering in the 19th century. Today we know her name. 
Who was that young lady at the age of 30 who was ready to die and give it all up? Well, today we know her name. It's Florence Nightingale, the founder of the modern nursing profession. Beloved, thank God for new beginnings. Thank God for His faithfulness. Thank God that He's with us on the good days and the hard days, the happy days and the terrible days. He's God and He's here and He's present. And He's not done with His work. And He's not done with you. And He's not done with us. So let's step out in faith and have a new beginning. Let's pray. Father, it is with a grateful heart that we bow in Your presence today. And Lord, I want to take a moment and pray for those that are struggling greatly right now. They're mourning a loss in their life. Whatever that loss is, Lord, I pray that You would help them to grieve and to mourn and to cry and to process it with Your help, to receive Your comfort, Your care, Your love, Your compassion, Your tenderness. And then, Lord, at the right time, I pray that their tears would be dried and they would step out on that new beginning that You have for them. And Lord, as they take the step, Lord, I pray that every day and every step it will be filled to overflowing with the Word of God. I pray today, Lord, if somebody here needs a true new beginning, they need to have faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Convict them of their sin. Show them their need of Christ. And bring them to saving faith. Father, I pray for all of my brothers and sisters. I pray for myself that You would help us to walk in faith, doing Your work, doing Your will for Your glory. Help us this year to grow in our love of You and understanding of You and knowledge of You more than we ever have before. Lord, we love You. We give You glory and praise. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our closing hymn is 423. The altar is open. If you need the ultimate new beginning, we would invite you to come today. I'd love to pray with you and lead you to Christ. But a lot of our message has been for those of us who know Him. And so maybe today you need to come and bow on the altar and talk to the Lord about whatever it is. If we could pray with you. We'd love to help you. If you want to come and pray on your own, we welcome you. 423, the altar is open. You come as God leads. I need the every hour. 423, let's stand and pray.